Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it bring it to the- Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Sean Whetstone. I'm an almost happy hammer in sixth place in the Premier League. You can find me on Twitter at West Ham Football. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can, I write for EPLindex.com, and you can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Hi, I'm Jay. I'm editor of the Eagles Beak and a football expert on the back of the net uh, football show on local community radio. You can catch me on Twitter at the Eagles Beak. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Uh, Sean, when we initially tried to have you on, it was after you had reached the dizzying heights of one point off fourth. Obviously not the result you would have liked at the weekend, but are you still, as you mentioned, somewhat happy? Well, it was a week of two halves, wasn't it? To use an old cliche. Um, You know, we played Bournemouth and uh, went 1-0 down, but uh, outstanding comeback. Um, So, you know, we were very pleased with that because Bournemouth were... In fact, Bournemouth are the last team to beat us at uh, the bowling ground in August, believe it or not, when they won 4-3. Wow. So um, I know they've got their problems. They're down towards the relegation zone. But, um, you know, often um, they're the ones that fight the hardest, as as we saw with um, Newcastle. And expectation was high. You know, if we'd have won eight games unbeaten, if if we'd have won on Saturday against Newcastle... We would have uh, we'd have set a new record for West Ham in the Premier League um, as number of games unbeaten. But you know they have a way of doing this. It made it worse that Mr. Mike Ashley offered to give out. I don't know if you saw this. Two point four million pounds worth of coats from Sports Direct if if Newcastle beat West Ham. Did you see yeah. that? Yeah, I did. Actually, it was a little bit of a a, a slight. Uh, the marketing gimmick because actually the same coats are on sale for uh, he said they were 60 pound each at sports direct they are available at everlast at six pound each and he was charging five pound postage and packing <laughs> so at worst it cost him a pound but if if they're selling at six pound on on everlast website i reckon he bought them cheaper than a fiver knowing him he was making a profit anyway um <laughs> It didn't happen for us, did it? We went two early goals down. Hard to come back from that. And, um, you know, it was the John John Shelby show. Uh, John Joe Shelby show, even. Um, Voldemort from uh, Harry Potter, as we call him. How amazing. I, I know I'm talking about other players, but how amazing was that 67-yard cross? Yeah. Um, 
and he made all the difference to them. And do you know what? It, it's players like that when you sign them in January that can make all the difference between relegation um, and staying up. And uh, good luck to them. Bad day of the office for us. As I say, we never recovered really in the first half from a 2-0, again, 2-0 down. Um, we got a consolation goal over a bit of mess up um, after Jelovic. Uh, I, I've been slagging Jelovic off, to be honest with you. Couldn't see why we're paying him 55 grand a week. Couldn't see why we bought him 3 million. Uh, but he's got two goals in uh, two games now. Um, obviously scoring against, um, uh, who did we have? Wolves in, in the FA Cup. And then obviously coming on um, and almost as a first touch of his ball, slotting in one for West Ham to get a consolation goal. Um, but, you know, we... There was a chance we could have gone fourth, all right, Kevin. You know, if you'd yep. have, if uh, Big Sam had done us a favour after after they after Sunderland won won one near up, I was I was cheering on Big Sam and Sunderland. I must admit, and, and our old friend Judas Defoe, and uh, <laughs> they just collapsed, didn't they? I mean, Sam. Just where well, he put another defender. Oh, we're talking about your game, and I shouldn't be. They put another defender on and tried to yeah. hold on for his life. For the, I'll for definitely the mention it. <laughs> um, but yeah, going back to West Ham, you know, sixth place. We're still happy. We move on. We're going to play Man City um, at the weekend. Um, and do you know what? Slaven Bilic often raises his game against the big teams. Uh, and we struggle against some of the lower teams. And this year I include um, Newcastle with that. So it's not over. Uh, we're not too disheartened. You know, we were, we did, were high expectations. I don't care what Mark Lorison says in his predictions. He's got most of them wrong anyway. I still think we can finish top six with a little bit of luck, the wind in the right direction, etc. But top four is beyond us. But, um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not unhappy. Sixth place, even though we were fifth yesterday or, or fifth today before uh, Manchester United um, slightly jumped ahead of us, uh, is not too bad. Although I will say now, before Dan comes on, not too happy tonight that our Dimitri Pyatt song has been stolen <laughs> from Arsenal fans singing at Stoke. Uh, outrage! Our lawyers are watching you, and I, I think maybe we should sue uh, Arsenal supporters, a collective for for stealing copyright of a song uh, that was made tailor made for Dimitri Payet. Your response, Dan? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you can sue the people who went to the game all you want. Then, sure, <laughs> I don't care. They probably deserve it. <laughs> Do, do they have uh, any part in Arsenal Fan TV? I know we talked about them a lot uh, last episode. Yeah, but. No, God. actually, let's personally sue Hugh Wizzy. <laughs> and, I, I know he's in, in, in America. I'm going to take out a writ against Hugh Wizzy, mm. and he will have to uh, present. The only stipulation rep- is that he has to come back on this show and apologize <laughs> for the chant. I'm, I'm fine with that if you guys are. You know what they say, <laughs> imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Yeah, Arsenal are just trying to be West Ham. I think that that's what this shows. Clearly, that's what we're going for. Yep. Clearly. Obviously. All right, um, Sean, you mentioned the Payette song. Obviously, Payette coming back is a huge boost for West Ham. It looked like you were going to be able to really start pushing up the table. 
as you mentioned, fell a little short. Injuries to Lanzini and Carroll seem to have derailed that a bit. Where do you think, I know you mentioned that you think you'll finish top six, but how do you think you'll perform without those players over the next couple of weeks? Well, <clears throat> Lanzini shouldn't be out for too long, and nor should Carroll. You know, we should be seeing them come out back by the end of Feb, uh, beginning of March. So it, it's really not the end of the world. I think Payet will make all the difference. He had a bit of an off game maybe on Saturday, but, every, you know, everybody's entitled to an off game. And, and just one thing I didn't mention, it seemed to be a bit unfair. Someone told me this, and you're the stats guys, you'll work this out, that everybody who played away had two back-to-back away games. Hmm. And everybody had were at home had two home games. So for us away, we had to go to, to Bournemouth. Um, and, and Bournemouth doesn't sound that too far away, but the, you know that's, that's a 190-mile round-trip journey. And then, and then just four days later, we had to travel to Newcastle which is, what, 290 miles away each way. So, you know, that's 800. I know we probably flew to Newcastle, but not the point we're making. Chairman Sun mentioned that. It's 850 miles in about five days. Mm. So uh, that travelling, not making excuses, that (laughs) travelling put a lot on it while other teams had uh, two home games and and obviously had a small advantage there. All right, uh, Dan... Arsenal played Stoke today in what was a pretty big litmus test match for them. Obviously came out uh, and played hard. Ends up a nil-nil draw. Your take on that performance? Um, it was very frustrating. Uh, we didn't have Mesut Ozil because he picked up a small foot problem. I think Wenger said inf- yeah, yeah. inflammation of the foot. Uh, but he should be back for Chelsea next week. But he, he didn't play today and it showed... Um, yeah, it was just it was really frustrating. We didn't have very much penetration. We didn't create very much. Uh, Giroud had no service outside of one corner that he put, got a pretty good head on, but made a good save. Um, the defense played well. Petr Cech was phenomenal. Um, but we didn't create a lot. They probably created slightly more than us, but still they didn't create a lot either. It was... Just a very boring, frustrating game. Um, yeah, not many chances for either side. And, uh, well, going away to Stoke is always a bit of a pain because of the whole interesting little rivalry there with the fans hating each other and Stoke fans booing Aaron Ramsey because he got his leg broken. And, yeah. Arsenal obviously are largely considered title contenders this season. Alexis Sanchez due to be back sometime soon. Is Next that still Chelsea. yeah? Is that still your uh, aspiration as an Arsenal fan? Absolutely, yeah. We're still top. We're still got a good percent. We got still got a good chance of winning the league according to most uh, advanced analytics models. And like City are probably just as inconsistent as we are. So yeah, I know there's no reason why we still can't win the league, and that should absolutely be the aim. You guys don't even need me here. You're making segues for me. Dan mentions. Manchester City there. Jay, I am uh, fortunate enough to get to watch a, a fair few Crystal Palace matches. This was not Palace's worst performance by any stretch, but you suffer a difficult 4-0 defeat. No, you're right. I mean, a 4-0 defeat generally means a team has been thrashed. Um, that That's what the scoreline says, but um, I'm not kidding myself. We gave away uh, a few silly goals. We, we were actually the better team in the first 20 minutes or so. We were... You know, City looked flustered um, at parts of that. Delaney had a great chance, which anywhere else uh, in the goal other than straight at heart would have uh, would have gone past him. Um, 
But then Hennessy makes his second um, error in a week, um, following up from that awful mistake he made against Villa on, on the Tuesday night. And actually, I'm just going to go back to a point that Sean made. is exactly the same for us. We've had two away games in a row in, in the space of a few days. Villa away on um, Tuesday, and again, we've had um, City away on the Saturday. That's three away games in the space of seven days because we were away in the FA Cup to Southampton. Um, and I'm not making excuses. Pretty much like Sean said, you have to deal with these games. Um, but we're, yeah, we're one of those teams, same as West Ham, that had two away games in a week, which I find quite peculiar. But anyway, back on point. Yeah, not, not taking anything away from City. They're chasing for the title. Clearly a better team as the game went on. Um, yeah, we're, we're just missing missing our mojo at the moment. We really are. We're, we've got a few players which are really off form. Um, I will name a couple. Punchin is one. Um, when you've got Hennessy, who I have to say he's, he's saved points for us during December. We were unbeaten through December, had a great run, ended the year on 31 points, which is a great total for us. I think it's the first time we've reached that uh, milestone by the end of the year, which means generally nine points to, uh, uh, to safety, which, <laughs> which, which is a really odd thing to say because you know, the first half of the season we've had has been excellent. But we're, we're struggling a little bit at the moment. We've struggled with um, a few injury concerns. Connor Wickham is clearly not back to full fitness, but I, I think... Um, we we miss you know we miss the reserve size particularly when you have got players coming back from injury and 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 the problem we have is that um, we we play a formation which suits Connor Wickham down down yeah, what well, a fully fit Connor Wickham um, we don't have anybody at the club who can play that role and and we when we when we don't have him playing in that role or or, or when he's injured we struggle to fill in. You know, we have uh, an, well, we have about five strikers on our books at the moment. Only one of them scored, and that's Connor Wickham. That was from the penalty spot. We clearly need some attacking help um, in, in you know this month in the transfer window. It's Pardew's been open and said he's not going to bring any defenders in, not going to bring any midfielders in, which I agree. I don't think we need anything there. I think what we're struggling with is an attacking midfielder, that number 10 role, and also a striker. So one or maybe two players have got to come in because we need help with scoring goals. We're really missing Yannick Balassi, not for his goal-scoring record because that's not great, um, just purely because um, Wilf Zaha can't do it on his own. I think he's he's looking like a player that's um, struggling with the expectation of him having to... Um, do all the workout wide switching wings and is it, is quite a different player to Yannick. Yannick is stronger. Yannick goes at players. He can do the tricks and has the flair and they kind of play well off each other. And I think Zaha's kind of missing that as well. Zaha, people are looking to Zaha to, to be the man to do that. And he's, he, he's just not the same sort of player. So there's a few things we're missing. No excuses for the result yesterday. I think, I think the problem is that we didn't get a goal in that first 20 minutes and they went, up the other end and scored. Hennessy dived over the ball. I would argue that we didn't close down Delph uh, for shooting from that from that distance, but um, perhaps that's that's a bit harsh. You, you would expect your keeper that's, that should be a bread and butter save for him. Really, second goal was a big deflection off Scott Dan, and suddenly we're two 0 down by half time in a in a in a forty five minutes. We didn't play um, particularly badly, or, or at least we you know it's better than we performed recently. Particularly Villa, we were absolutely dire at Villa. We're struggling with Jason Punchin at the moment. He had a great game against Southampton. That's probably the first. Or the only 90 minutes we've seen in the past four or five weeks is actually played anywhere near what we expect him to. James MacArthur's a little off colour, and he's a player who's such an unsung hero for us. He does a lot of the dirty work in midfield, up and down from one end to the other. Um, but it, we noticed over Christmas, I think um, the Swansea game, he was taken off as a substitute and he missed the game afterwards, um, I think, to give him a break because he puts in so much work uh, during games, and those games are coming thick and fast. 
But you know, no excuses. You know, form is generally temporary. We just need some help with the golf scoring. We need Yannick back from injury, um, and we need um, Connor Wickham back fit as well, really fully fit. And hopefully, we can get some these players back on form as well. We we, we face Tottenham in our next game, uh, which is another big game at home. But you know, we, we've not scored in five games. Uh, we need to find a goal from somewhere. There's a rumour that we're going to bring somebody in during this week. Who that is, I'm not sure. There was a big um, suggestion today that we might get Jovetic on loan from. Manchester City, who's had his um, loan deal con- cancelled by Inter Milan, so that'll be an interesting one. I've got a lot of time for Jovetic. I've always followed Fiorentina in Italy, and when, when he was at his at his time out there before he went to City, um, he was uh, a great goal scorer, um, good player. It, it, it could work for us, but we'll, um, we'll we'll see what happens there. We, like I say, we do need a bit of help. Um, unfortunately, injuries. I think the games are kind of thick and fast, and injuries at the same time really hasn't helped, but. You know, if somebody said we'll be, you know, in this position by, uh, you know, middle of January, then I'd have bitten their arm off, really. And uh, it's something to build on from now. It's just a shame we've uh, run into a bad patch of form, really. Yeah, you mentioned forward options there, and Jovicic is one obviously being chased by other clubs as well. Another rumor this week, something that we've joked about for years, now looking closer <laughs> to reality, with Emmanuel Adebayor potentially moving to Crystal Palace. Alan Pardew yeah. saying, if I could fix Hatem Benarfa. I can fix Emmanuel Adebayor. What was your take when you heard those quotes? Well, you look at our stats. You know, you, you look at our striking stats at the moment. Um, like I mentioned, we've got one striker, one strike, one of our strikers has scored one goal this season. Um, that is terrible. Um, admittedly, you've had players that have been out injured, um, particularly Shamakli. For me, you know how much I love Shamak. You know, he, he he's become a cult hero at Palace, but I think a lot of people are seeing him now as he's not a striker uh, he really isn't a striker coming off the bench he doesn't give us anything from the bench he needs to play as that number 10 role which is how he excelled and got his name for himself at Palace um, you know playing for us personally I think we'll be seeing the end of Schumacher I don't think he'd go in January I think the summer he'd be off um, I don't think he's an option for us anymore I think we've evolved a lot more since then um, he doesn't really fit the rest of the players like Fraser Campbell Dwight Gale they, they don't fit into the role Adebayor is a really interesting shout he hasn't played football for a while um, he's freely admitted that he only plays football for the money he doesn't enjoy football very much like Fernando Torres come out and said the very very similar thing. His love for football died years ago, but he he does it for the for the money. You know, is that you know is that a bad thing to say? At least you've been honest about it. I think some fans generally think that you would expect to sign a player who's going to play their heart out for the club and love the club. You know, football's not like that anymore. You know, you know you you could have a homegrown player that's come for the ranks like John Terry at Chelsea is a good example that he would he would bleed you know blue for for, for Chelsea. But yeah, you don't get players like that anymore. Adeboyoy scores goals, you know, on a free transfer. Would it be a good option for us? We're not scoring goals. You know, he's scored goals everywhere he's been. City, Tottenham, uh, Real Madrid. You know, you're, you're listing off teams there, which, you know, are respected clubs in, in the world and uh, and top clubs. I, I, I have my doubts, but I have my doubts about Shamak before he came to Palace. And contrary to what I just said about Shamak now, he, he has had a good time for us until this season and he's very injury prone. Adeboyoy could could well do something for us personally i'd rather see us um get jovetic on loan if that is a if that's a viable option then i would i would love to see that happen because i've been a, you know I, i'd like to see him i, I enjoyed seeing him play for um 
uh, for Fiorentina. And it's a shame it didn't work out for City because I've spoken to a few City fans and, and they were hoping it would work out for him. But I don't think he's really had... Uh, had the chance for him. He scored a few goals, but um, but yeah, that that's one for me that I'd like to see happen. We need somebody to help or challenge Connor Wickham in that lone striker role. Um, you know, when all our players are fit, that striker does will have an abundance of of chances. Um, Wickham maybe you know he's he's not a particularly big goal scorer, but he will he you know, as we've already seen he brings on our fast and quick midfield and tricky players to score the goals, uh, which has worked. But obviously we've missed that recently, so. So yeah, I I wouldn't be totally against Nadaboy or coming in. Um, Pardew, like you said, you don't is... want him. You don't well, want him. I... he wants a hundred grand. He he came to us right, or, or or we spoke to us when he was trying to. In fact, uh, Spurs came to us when they're trying to offload him. Yeah, we did. He wanted a hundred grand a week. He's not worth it. He's a mercenary in oh, my speaking, view. Speaking speaking of players' wages, why is it that uh, board members at your club find it so difficult to keep quiet on wage negotiations with players? I love it. With it the leak so about uh, what uh, Charlie Austin is now earning at Southampton. Yeah, Charlie Austin was also because you know we went for Charlie Austin in the summer and Billich has agreed it. He wanted a hundred grand a week as well. And what I would say is to Jay. Do you know, do you really want a mercenary like Adebayor at your club earning 100 grand a week to unset level For BL? six months? Six months really? is the perfect amount of time to have Adebayor. Trust me, we that did that. It was true. great. And then he immediately, as soon as we signed him, immediately got worse. And I hated that narrative. I wanted to buy into the whole he was scarred by the whole Togo incident. I'm not saying that he wasn't, but that like he was turning his life around. And he sold four different clubs on that. And it can't happen. It can't happen again long term. But for six months, absolutely, yeah. he will launch Crystal Palace up the so, table. I mean, and he's more of the player that they need in that formation than Jovetic. Jovetic is a better player for me, no doubt about it. But you were just saying how difficult it is when you're playing Sako up there or you're playing Belasi up there to play the same style. With Adebayor, he can play with his back to goal and launch on the front foot. And I think that that would be again, fine for six months. Yeah, I will, I will reiterate the fact that I'm not. I'm not totally convinced on it, but there's something really intriguing about the fact that Adebayor could come in on a, you know, we haven't got to pay a transfer fee for him. Very similar to what happened with Shamak. We didn't have to pay anything for him, but we paid a large wages for him and we still are paying a large wage for him. But, you know, if you're like Kev said for six months, could it be a bad thing? We need, we need goals. He scores goals, but the Should biggest we have an iPhone is, bet, Jay. Uh, <laughs> 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 but the, the thing is, like Kev said, he would fit. I'm not, like I say, I will say I'm, I'm not totally convinced, but, you know, we need somebody to score goals. We're not, we're not getting that. And we need somebody that can hold up the ball as well. I don't see many players out there that are available to be able to, do, to, you know, to be able to do that at the moment. So, you know, it is an option, yeah. But do I want him at my club on the basis that he, you know, he could be trouble? No, I don't really, because I think we've got a decent, um, you know, a decent close-knit squad at the club at the moment. Um, do we want to... I think we're, we're, we've got a bit of a problem where we're in between things at the moment we want to try and step on you know we bought goodbye in the summer that's worked to an extent this season we're trying to push on from our ninth place finish last season um but then again you know can we push into the top four that's that's so difficult you know you, you i don't ever see us pushing into the top four but then leicester are proving something this season can they mm-hmm. do it it'd be very interesting to see how they finish this season as well but for me yeah i'm still the jury's out for me on adebola coming in but It'd be an interesting option, no doubt. I'd prefer Jovetic, but Adebayor could well do a job. Yeah. 
for uh, Tottenham, uh, we had a 4-1 match, although it not being the most uh, convincing. Jay was mentioning earlier they had a fairly good performance but lost 4-0. We didn't particularly have a great one. Managed to win 4-1 against Sunderland on Saturday. Uh, we did concede a soft early goal, and a lot of people were blaming Trippier, but it was actually Della Ali who stopped tracking uh, Van Anholt down the left. Um, and he did it very close to halftime, and we were very concerned. We're worried that heads would start to drop. But then right before the halftime whistle, Kane uh, got an excellent 1-2, rounded the keeper, shot it at him, however, deflected. Erickson got it. There's now no keeper in goal. There's Lee Cattermole in the middle of the goal, and that's it. Erickson hits him straight in the foot, and it rolls up his body and into the goal. Uh, I talked midweek about how much I hated I was going to quote Harry Redknapp and say that we didn't get the rub of the green. I think we got that back in return in this match. That was just an absolutely silly goal. Erickson second, deflects off Jan Kirchhoff. We'll get to that later. Um, so both of Erickson's goals, a little questionable. Not the best match from him that we've seen, but hopefully this can really launch him onto bigger and better things. Um, the second half, largely under our control. Musa Dembele scored the second fairly early in the second half. And it was pretty much under control from there. Like I said, Erickson's second goal, 67th minute, the one that deflects off Kirkhoff. Sean already mentioned that substitution. Uh, it was very strange. From is, is Big Sam what we're okay to call him now? It was Fat Sam that we couldn't? I don't. I, it's hard to keep track of what we're allowed to... The man named Sam. Allardici. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, the the um, substitution was a very strange one. Looked like they were trying to button down the hatches. And to be fair, they were taking their time on their throw-ins in the fourth minute. Uh, and it seemed very clear what their intent was there. Weren't able to back it up. Kirkhoff with a nightmare of a start, both with what will likely be changed to an own goal and uh, conceding the penalty. Uh, late in the match that allowed Kane to score the fourth and really seal it. Um, as far as other things go, we face Leicester again on Wednesday, which will be our third time against them in two weeks. Not a huge fan of that. Kind of tired of playing them, although they don't seem to be in tremendous form at the moment. Uh, hopefully we can, can continue to progress in the FA Cup uh, with a win against them. Uh, as far as transfers go, there's not really any news since Thursday when I mentioned our striker targets. That still seems to be the only position we're actively seeking. Weirdly, we're not in for Adebayor, but, you know, I guess it's time for us to move on. Uh, and uh, Moussa Dembele and Christian Eriksen are both very close to extending their current contract. So, uh, more more good news. We, we, te- <laughs> we seem to be just adding a year to the end of everyone's contract. Uh, and just kind of keep them rolling. So uh, just continuing that, it seems to be a good thing for the club. It's keeping our young talent on long contracts, which means even if people come in for them, and even if the player wants to leave, we should get pretty decent fees for some of them. And uh, a player, this this doesn't come from anything but my own gut. I'm very concerned that uh, if Bentaleb doesn't get back into the starting 11 by the end of the year, that he may, may be looking for a way out. And if he takes a step down, you know, it sounds harsh, but if, if he kind of leaves that top four chasing group and moves a little bit further down the table, I think it could be very impactful, whether it be on loan or if he actually asks for a transfer. Again, not based in anything other than it must be very hard being a 21-year-old that breaks into your national team, breaks into your club team, 
is out for three months with an injury only to come back and find Della Ali and Musa Dembele, who's randomly decided to be as good as he was at Fulham in your spot. Um, so anyway, that's just a, a bit of uh, whatever the opposite of ITK is. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, uh, we actually talked formation a little bit there with Jay, talking about what strikers would really fit that mold. Uh, the topic today, we're going to get into formation and tactics. What is your team currently using, and is it effective, and are you happy with it? We'll start off with Sean and West Ham, who, as we mentioned, dealing with some injuries. Has that affected the way you've been lining up? Well, if you ask Slavin Bilic, he will say he hasn't got a system. <laughs> He says, oh, no, no, I don't have a system. Um, I, I mix it up. Um, but most commonly, he plays a, a 4 2 three, one. Uh, You know, you won't see him play two up front very often. It will occasionally happen. But, you know, consistently throughout his management career, it's a, a 4 2 three, one. You know, he, he relies on two pacey fullbacks to, to, to whip up the wings. Um, we, we've got Kyle Jenkinson, who's been dropped for most of this season, uh, who, who, who did a good job last season. How He'd much are you paying by... for that one? Well, we're paying him, you'll get this, he just did a deal uh, to do a five-year deal before he joined us from Arsenal, upping his wages to 45 grand. We paid him a £1.5 million, pound, or Arsenal, £1.5 million pound loan fee, and he gets 30, or Arsenal get 30 grand for every appearance he makes for us. Tremendous deal that Arsenal got, um, considering that he's not our first choice right back anymore. Um, a centre back, uh, homegrown, um, James Tompkins is our, our, our first choice at the moment. But anyway, uh, the idea, you know, Aaron Cresswell and, and, um, James Tonkins whip up those wings and, and cross some balls in um, in front of the, the back four. I mean, we've got a really strong two centre defenders. Uh, James Collins having the, the absolute form of his life, uh, along with old Bonner or, or Winston Reed sort of swapping it out from the centre back, having a two, you know, really solid centre backs. Of course, you've got your two defensive midfielders. Um, Coyote, who came from Anderlecht and, um, and and usually uh, Mark Noble. And that's where, and then in front of those defensive midfielders, that's where he likes to have a playmaker. Now, that playmaker, obviously, is Dimitri Payet. And, and we 
send to the team around him when he's available and when he's not available, Lanzini, which is why when we lost Payet and Lanzini, we sort of we sort of lost everything. Um, but we've obviously got uh, um, Antonio from Nottingham Forest, who's been doing really good for us, scored two goals. We've got Victor Moses just come back from injury. Uh, we've got Zarati at the moment um, as well. Uh, although it looks like he's missed the last two games from a dubious injury, cramp-like. So I think we've seen the last of him. He, I think he'll be off. Um, and and then we usually play one up front, which um, by default, our first choice striker up front is Diafra Sacco, who has been out for some time since November, since suffering a... Uh, an injury in against West Brom actually on on the end of November. Uh, since then, of course, Andy Carroll slotted in uh, and was doing a really good job until he pulled his hamstring. Um, now that's been swapped out. We've got Ine Valencia, not a true striker in his his own. Uh, you know, it's not his natural position. Um, and obviously, most recently, Jelovic as well. Um, so it's it's all about you know, counter-attacking football, we've seen a lot of that. You know, it's not about possession. Um, have you seen a lot of the games we've won? And, and Leicester have done this really successfully this season. I don't know if you've seen the league, the, the league of, of possession. Uh, Leicester, um, most of their wins, they haven't had superior possession. Um, and, and when we've beaten all the big teams this season, we've not had it. We, we do a lot of counter-attacking football, sometimes even at home as well. Um, we let, you know, it, it's, it's also positional possession, isn't it? It's, it's where you let them have the possession. Uh, and I think Berlich has been very effective in letting them have possession in certain part of the pitches, but not others, and making it work for us. Um, and being very counter-attacking and making sure we take those chances in the final third. That's where people like Dimitri Payet, uh, Lanzini... Antonio uh, and Valencia have made it and, and, you know, no accident why we, we've been scoring lately from set pieces as well, especially when you've got Andy Carroll. You know, the accuracy of Dimitri Payet is, is from his corners and his crosses is absolutely amazing. So you just need a target man uh, such as Andy Carroll or, or, or Sacco or, or one of those just, just to slot him in and that was working when everybody was fit. That was working really well. So... You know, Salomon Bilic would say, I don't have a set routine. I, I, I like to, you know, um, mix it around a bit. But I think I think we can all see that he, he, he does have his, his, his pattern, the, the four two three one, And it seems to put really well for us this season, to be fair. We don't seem to have been caught out on it. Um, and long may it continue. And, and as I said earlier, hopefully a, a, a top eight, finish is is certainly in our sights and with the wind in the right direction maybe a top six yeah uh interesting when you were talking about possession there right now one to 20 if you had to guess guys where do you think lesser are in possession they're probably 18th <laughs> uh, i'm gonna go 16th 15th yeah it's exactly 18th and surprisingly palace at 20th that's not true. That, wait, Burnley's on this list. That was from last season. 
You ever uh, look up a stat there. and be super wrong in yeah, the middle of a show? <laughs> Does that ever happen to anyone? Oh, oh. I've just actually, uh, Kevin. So if you, if you do look for it, uh-huh. possession table. Sky did one last week, so you will find it, mm-hmm. and you're not too far wrong. And for another stat, I saw. Yeah, it's two stats. days ago. Yeah, I'm looking it up now. Yeah, and. Leicester are 18th still. The Palace thing was probably a lie. 14th, West Ham are 13th. Mm. Man United have the most possession, followed by Man City and Chelsea. Hmm. So two of those teams, not doing so great. Although United have had two pretty good results in a row. But, uh, yeah, it just goes to show, I I did do an article last year for Jay that was talking about how possession really isn't everything in the Premier League Mm. anymore. And uh, that's just more evidence of it with Chelsea in the top three there. Uh, sitting fairly comfortably there in 14th, uh, which everyone on this podcast probably endorses, as uh, we all support London clubs. Everyone um, in the world except Chelsea fans endorses that. <laughs> Let's be honest here. <laughs> Sorry, Chelsea fans. We'll uh, have Rasmus on soon to placate you. Um, all right. Uh, Dan, how have Arsenal been been setting up lately? We talk a lot about how you're going to keep fitting in. Walcott and Giroud, and then Alexis is coming back, and then is Ramsey going to randomly be on the wing? How are you kind of playing at the moment? Uh, well, one more thing before the possession stat thing ends. I saw a stat a couple weeks ago which said it had the average possession of the winning team in each fixture for the last, I think it was five years. The first two were about 55 56%. Then there's like a 2% drop to the last two years. And this, this year it's actually below 50%. So the winner, the winning team actually, on average, has less possession than the losing team this season, which is hmm. very interesting. But um, that was a couple weeks ago. It may have changed, but it, I don't, I don't know. But um, as far as we're, how we're playing uh, today, we actually played a four-one-four-one because we didn't have Mesut Ozil, Sandy Cazorla is hurt, and Thomas Rizicki is, while he's almost back from being back from the dead, he's still in tra- he's just got back to training, so we didn't really have number ten, so we played more of a four-one-four-one instead, but. Normally we play four two three one, um, and well for all of those questions, for how we're gonna fit in Walcott and Giroux, ideally we wouldn't. Ideally we'd have one or the other, but um, right now since we have so many players hurt, we're playing Walcott on the left, which is new for him. I don't think he's ever played there consistently in his Arsenal career. Definitely not where I can remember. He's but um he's been playing on the left to with mixed results. Um, he scored that screamer against City, but sometimes just his lack of a left foot has uh, has hurt him. Um, for what happens when Alexis Sanchez comes back, I think Walcott will get dropped and Joel Campbell will retain his place on the right. He's been playing very, very well, as I mentioned on the last pod. Um, why Ramsey popped up on the right for so long? It was because um, Wenger wasn't very confident with having a midfield two of Coughlin and Cazorla. A lot of times Coughlin wasn't great on the ball, and... He wanted to have someone who could tuck in and provide like an extra bit of, of an extra midfielder for when both out of possession and in possession. Um, and for how it's working as a whole, I it's good. Personally, I I like I really like four one four one slash four three three, but you can't really play that Mesut Ozil if you're going to play on the wing, and I'd rather not do that. So four two three one works fine. Uh, for we currently have. One fullback, Hector Bellerin, that bombs on like crazy, and he's very, very good at it. Then we have Monreal, who will still get forward, obviously, we're Arsenal, but he's much more conservative. And at the moment, since uh, both Cazorla and Coughlin went down, we've been pl- we've been 
going back defensively more to the tactics that we used in 2013-14 where we would do the whole bend, not break, sit very deep, absorb pressure, and then just hope we don't break, which isn't ideal, but when you have a midfield two of Matthew Flamney and Aaron Ramsey, you can't really be that proactive with pressing and stuff, so it's kind of something we've had to go to. But um, yeah, that's, that's how we've been setting up. I'm pretty happy with it. It's worked pretty well. We are top of the league anyway, or after all. <laughs> it would be hard to be complaining, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> might be uh, might be a bit... Uh, I'm totally blanking on the word, never mind. <laughs> One of those where you could complain, but nobody would listen kind of situations. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Jay, we talked about you a little bit earlier uh, with trying to fit the strikers in. How does the rest of the team set up? Yeah, we're we're the same as uh, West Ham, really. As Sean mentioned, we, we play a 4-2-3-1 formation in that... We have that lone striker up front, which is, like I mentioned, it's perfect for, for Connor Wickham, which is the reason we bought him. But now he's, he's just come back from his second spell from injury, which which is a problem. Um, behind him, we have, well, when everybody's fit, we have Yannick and uh, Wilf out wide, um, sort of supporting the front man. Also in the number 10 role, we have Punchin. Uh Normally, you have Punchin in that number 10 role. As I mentioned, he's been pretty poor this season. And I think... It has a lot to do with Kabai in the team. I think Kabai takes a lot of um, uh, a lot of the ball off of Punchin, and he perhaps doesn't quite get it as much as he's been, he's been used to in the past. And we we talked about this, the possession stats, and and our possession stats have increased um, a lot this season compared to last season, and that's solely because of Johan Kabai, who sits deep, uh, wins the ball, um, uses the ball um, more than anybody else that we have um, at Palace and it, it's been a, a great addition as you would expect when you pay that sort of money for a player um, he sits next to James MacArthur protecting the back four um, I think a lot of Palace fans I think I mentioned on a previous pod or very very early on in the season that you know a lot of Palace fans are thinking he's going to bring that uh, you know that excellent attacking prowess, you know, we saw at Newcastle, but not many would probably have expected to see him. He's hard tackling and uh, he's harassing and chasing, which, which is a real, you know, bonus to his game, and uh, it, it's helped us, you know, immensely. I mentioned James MacArthur earlier. He's had a, you know, he's had a dip in form recently, which hasn't helped. He hasn't been able to play his normal game, but. Um, before or leading up to Christmas, I mean, those two, Kabai and uh, MacArthur, sitting in front of that back four, were fantastic together. They kind of, kind of, kind of chalk and cheese, really. MacArthur did that unsung job in the middle and and, uh, and allowed Kabai to to have time on the ball and use the ball and do what he needed to do. We have a, a, a rigid back four, which is been pretty set back for all season actually so you have Suarez left back Ward right back and in, in the middle you have Delaney and Scott Dan um, who Scott Dan's been absolutely exceptional this season goalkeeper position has been a problem for us this season Hennessy made it his own up with some great saves he earned us some points particularly against Southampton and Everton um, but in the last two games he, he's made errors so you know it's going to be interesting to see Pardew made some comments after the game yesterday we do have two good keepers behind him Spironi who missed the first six weeks of season three injury which probably the main reason why McCarthy started then Hennessy took over when McCarthy got injured so um you know there is an option to you know to start one of those two players if you know if if Pardew thinks it's worth doing personally I think I'll give him another game um keepers do go through you know problems like that and uh, you know it could be detrimental to him if we dropped him at this point but you know we'll see what Pardew thinks about that um as I mentioned we've got um you know, up front Wickham, that's our main problem scoring goals. And we're quite rigid with that four, two, three, one formation. And 
the players on the bench kind of some of them fit because Yednet will come on in place of MacArthur or Ledley will come on and play instead of MacArthur if Kabai's injured or not is, is missing. We kind of lose that possession that you know the possession in the middle and we have kind of two combative players rather than uh, particularly any skill in there protecting the uh, you know the, the the back four. So like I mentioned before, we were really missing Yannick Bellassi and Connor Wickham, who are uh, who are two big parts of our team, really. You know, when they're both injured at the same time. I think the last game, Premier League game, we scored in was away at Stoke, which was a great 2-1 win. I mean, looking at it now, um, you know, it's a fantastic win for us. That is the last game we scored in the Premier League. Um, and, and Connor Wickham and um, Bellassi both got injured in that game. Uh, didn't play until well, Wickham's only recently come back uh, from injury. And I think that's been a, you know, a big problem for us. So, you know, in January, I'm sure Parge is going to address address that. Maybe in the summer, you know, because some of the reserve players we've got or squad players are kind of you know, fitting uh, square pegs in round holes in a way into a formation that Parge seems to be happy with. Uh, when Yannick's playing, we do kind of change it a little bit because Yannick does get up, you know, the main striker. Um, but as I mentioned again, you know, when Wickham's out, we don't really have a striker to play that role effectively enough you know you're, you're putting somebody like Fraser Campbell up there who um you know he chases and runs for the ball but doesn't really give us much else and you know Schumacher's as I've already talked about Dwight Gale that's another one for me uh, he just doesn't he, he can't do that lone striker role if he goes down to the championship plays somebody like QPR he'll score 20 goals plus in the in the championship I'm sure he would he's just a natural goal scorer just doesn't really doesn't fit for us perhaps you know uh, wrong time for him to play for us, perhaps. But uh, but yeah, hopefully we're going to address that in the in you know in the in the transfer window. We'll see what next you know, next couple of weeks bring. Yeah, uh, Tottenham uh, also running the four two three one. Not much of a surprise. Pochettino has been doing it for years. Not to say he's a football hipster at all, <laughs> um, but four two three one obviously a very preferred formation at the moment. But we do tend to make a lot of adjustments to that in open play, as I'm sure most sides do. Uh, Eric Dyer. A lot of people early on in the season were were really excited about Eric Dyer's fantasy potential, which was. Uh, existent when he was in a double pivot with Ali. But now that Dembele's in and Ali plays, Ali plays further up the pitch, Dyer's role is now to largely drop into a back three when we attack alongside Vertonghen and Alderweireld. Uh, Della Ali tends to shift out left a fair amount to make that diagonal run that I talk about on every single episode of this show, so I'm sorry for that. Um, Ericsson has been allowed to play much more centrally lately, and I do think that that's why... Um, we've been getting a bit more from him of late. Probably still not enough, and he's not at top form, but like I said, I think a match like the one we just had against Sunderland could launch him into that kind of form. Dembele, honestly, is probably the key to our play style right now because Ali early in the season was kind of carrying the ball through the midfield, but now that he's starting in a more advanced role, starting centrally behind Kane with Eriksen out left, Dembele is really the one who has the burden of carrying the ball through the midfield and into the final third, which fortunately is fully in his wheelhouse when he's fit, which we haven't really seen much over the last two years, but he's on excellent form right now. He just missed a couple weeks, and we really saw what we were missing from him. So to have him back, it really illustrates the importance of him kind of being that quote-unquote box-to-box midfielder for us, uh, just kind of cleaning up everything in the middle, both defensively and often launching a lot of our attacks himself. Uh as far as effectiveness, I would say that they are effective on the whole, but I do think at some point we do need to give Erickson true reign. 
uh, in the midfield again. I realize it would be difficult because he's been struggling lately, so it would be hard to convince probably people in the clubhouse as well as fans uh, that he should be immediately given that role because uh, he's simply not our best or most important player anymore. As crazy as that sounds, two years ago when he came and we had the (laughs) Magnificent Seven, which I still tense up every time I hear that, which was the likes of Kirakesh and Kapu and all of those guys. Erickson was our best player that year. Last year, 10 goals, 10 assists. We were seeing the formation of a very young player into into the player that many thought he could be, taking a bit of a step back that this year. And Ali, you could argue, has been more impactful. Eric Lamela creating tons of chances, finally looking like the player we need him to be. Already mentioned Dembele, Eric Dyer is apparently now a a very good central defensive midfielder, which none of us would have guessed as much as six months ago. You have Harry Kane on excellent form, Hugo Lloris in net. Not arguably, literally, the best defense in the league right now in terms of goals conceded. So um, Eriksen no longer that vital player for us, but I think if we do give him more free reign, especially later in the season when other teams are starting to tire, we know Pochettino's training regimen is insane. He keeps everybody sharp. Uh, I think that Erickson being able to kind of float around more could really cause uh, a devastating effect against our opponents. So I I would like to see that. Uh, In terms of how it affects players at the team, I do feel bad specifically for Bentaleb, Chadley, and Son. I already mentioned Bentaleb at the top of the show. Chadley and Son are currently frozen out of the side by players that don't even play their position. Moussa Dembele is playing so well next to Eric Dyer that they have to push Della Ali up front, who's playing so well there that they have to push Erickson out left, which is blocking the true position of both Chadley and Son. Chadley scored 11 goals for us last season, I think, in Premier League play. Hyungman Son, obviously our biggest summer transfer uh, in terms of money, probably not in terms of impact, because Toby Alderweireld has been absolutely tremendous in defense for us. But uh, for those guys, I do feel bad about this formation, and hopefully... Uh, They will get more chances as soon as we continue in the Europa League and try to advance in the FA Cup. It is worth noting that if we do not bring in a striker, which pains me to say, if we do not, which wouldn't be surprising at all, because Daniel Levy, Hyungman's son, has basically become our second striker, which, for better or worse, is how he's lining up. Uh, So hopefully... We can continue to get that working out. It's in terms of, am I happy with it? Much like Dan, we're currently sitting in fourth, which was the objective. So hard to be upset about that. Uh, but hopefully we can continue to be even more successful with a return to form from Christian Eriksen. All right, Sean, you good for a player watch and then dip out? Or do you have to leave now? Yeah, I'll do a player watch. And um, and then just I'll, do your I'll outro do... at the end of it. And then you yeah, just yeah. drop out. I'll pause and then do an outro, yeah? Great. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Oh, wait. I have to actually intro it, though. (laughs) Yeah, you intro it. Go on. All right. And now we will quickly move on to Player Watch, where we're each going to discuss a player who impressed us and one who disappointed in our club's most recent fixture. If there wasn't someone who disappointed, feel free to talk about a player from the other side. We'll start off with Sean and West Ham and their match against Newcastle. Yeah, well, it's it's a difficult one. Um, I think it would be too harsh to pick out Dimitri Payet for not assisting or or getting a goal. Uh, but my fantasy team game. was upset. Yeah, I'm sure. I had him as my captain. So, so did I. Had Kane yeah. score ten plus, Target score ten plus, Silva score ten yeah. plus, Payet with four. I mean, I've had to eat a bit of humble pie about Jelovic. 
because uh, you know I thought it, it was a waste of money and waste of time, but he has proved uh, when Obiang doesn't come in. Um, so I'm, I don't, I'm not sure about Pedro Obiang. Uh, you know, his agent came out in the week and sort of said, you know, he's open to offers, but he's happy at West Ham. What does that mean? I don't know. It means he's not uh, happy at West Ham. <laughs> it, the problem is agents always want to move. It's, it's like um, Zarati. He, you know, he's moved eight times in 11 years. Uh, his brother is his agent. So that says it all. Anyway, to go back to player watch, um, I'm actually going to pick, uh, which I've never done before. I'm going to pick uh, John Joe Shelby as, as the player who impressed. As I said earlier, I was really impressed. You know, if ever someone came on as a debut, you know, it was John Joe Shelby uh, to West Ham one. Uh, rather, he, you know, he really changed the team around and made them a winning team. And fair play to him, I, you know, twelve million pound well spent. So I don't usually pick an opposition player. Um, funny enough, when West Ham had to choose their man of the match, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. They chose the three thousand fans who made the long journey to uh, yeah. Newcastle. <laughs> so that tells you everything. A uh, bit of PR. The one that um, didn't impress, as I said, I, I can't pick Payet. Um, do you know what? And this is going to be a bit controversial. I'm going to pick Mark Noble, Mr. West Ham, Mr. Claret and Hurt Blue, Mr. Who's, who's just been granted a testimonial on the 28th of March at the bowling ground uh, with the likes of Paolo Di Canio. He's invited Tevez. He's invited Scott Parker and... Rio Ferdinand's going to play and uh, a whole host of stars, uh, Trevor Sinclair, Ian Bishop, I could go on, but I won't. Um, he's the captain. He's got a new deal. And, and this happens at, from time to time. He has an off game. You know, you need your captain to stand up. He had a really poor game. It showed. Uh, and, and, and it disappointed me that he can't be consistent. You know, we, we've complained about Mark Noble being a bit, well, not very good corner taker and not a very good um, set piece. Then about two weeks ago, he does an absolutely amazing pass that's world class, inch perfect, and proves us all wrong. But I'm, I'm afraid he's not consistent enough for me. Uh, and just because he's Mr. West Ham shouldn't mean he gets an automatic pick for me as well. So, uh, yeah, rare, but I, I'm going to go against the, the skipper on this occasion. All right, Dan, uh, who impressed and disappointed for Arsenal? Uh, well, for impressed, I think I'm going to do what I did midweek and kind of do like one and a half. Uh, my actual man of match was Petr Cech. He made a fantastic double save as well as, well as a really good save of his feet. But everyone knows Petr Cech brings. Everyone knows he's fantastic. He was man of match. But I'd also like to give a shout to um, Nacho Monreal, who is getting more credit this season, or not even just this season, in the last couple of weeks, he's getting the credit he deserves. But he just, he's been so fantastic for the last year. And he did it again today. He just made interception after interception, tackle, sound in defense, good in attack, technically brilliant. He's just awesome. He deserves a lot more praise than he gets. I still think people think of him as that. Uh, some people call him a liability. I didn't really think he was a liability when he first came in, but he certainly wasn't what he is now. He was decidedly our second choice right back, and now he's decidedly our first. Gibbs doesn't have a- any shot in getting into the starting level unless um, Monreal is rested or injured. He's just miles better than uh 
Gibbs and English left backs losing their position like flies. I know. Uh, Danny Rose largely losing his position to Ben Davis. Bertrand's been injured. Shaw's obviously out for the year. Yeah. Actually, Jay, if, if, not to get off topic, who do you think will be the starting left back for England come the Euros? <sighs> That's tough, isn't it? I can't remember who played in the last game at left back even. I think it was Gibbs. Yeah, I think was it was it? Gibbs too, but he's not that good and he didn't play very much. Yeah, I know, right? It's, it's an Baines, area maybe. That... He's oh, if he's either. actually fit now, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But for me, um, Aaron Cresswell's English, isn't he? Ooh. He is good. He is he's, good. I mean, he hasn't well. been oh, yeah. great the last two years, really. Yeah. He's been hurt, but he, he no. Has, and, and, oh, yeah, and there's no he the Yeah, he's had a bad injury, hasn't he? Yeah, he's had a bad injury. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, for me, I, I, I'll give Cresswell a shout. Yeah. Um, I think it, I think he's played well for West Ham, cons- consistently well for a couple of seasons. Um, I know. No reason why we can't, you know, give give something like that a try in you know in the friendlies leading up to the Euros. I mean, there's there's always a player that makes a late run for the squad, isn't there, for for a big big championship. So, mm. um, yeah, I, yeah, Cresswell because we're struggling at position, but we shouldn't be if we're if we're playing the likes of him, taking the likes of him, and you know, I, I did read some good stuff about Luke Shaw actually. I, I mean, I can't I can't believe for one second he's going to make the Euros, but he's uh, he's making good progress after that horrific injury that he had. Um, but yeah, I mean Gibbs. I find Gibbs because don't Arsenal play Gibbs out wide as well? Well, that's been that is Wenger, <laughs> that's Wenger's outside of when he played there against Tottenham. That was just pure desperation. Um, <laughs> that was nothing more than desperation. But uh, that is Wenger's. Ten minutes to go. We're goal up. Shut up shop and throw on all the fullbacks. Yeah, no, this is true. That's, true. His, no, that's yeah, his go-to I mean, thing. This shut up shop just throws on. Yeah. Uh, it used to be both. But Monreal and Jenkinson. Now it's um, Monreal and Chambers, either shoving Chambers in midfield or as mm. like a right back winger thing. No, that's fair. I, I, in answer to your question, yeah, I, I've always wondered why Cresswell hasn't had a shout yet. I, 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 I believe he's English, so may, you know maybe he if he's not English, that's yeah. why. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's a problem position for sure. Um, Luke Shaw would have been the one, I think, because he. Had a great start. He started to the so well. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, and he got a couple of games for England as well. Yeah, and yeah, he was playing really well. Like, it, obviously, he looked fit for a change, actually, because he's well, since he's gone to United. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, Cresswell for me, I, he's, he's really impressed me. He's, he's one player that I wouldn't mind uh, um, see, you know, see, see him playing for England. All right. Well, sorry. How long is super... out? Well, how long is Bertrand out? I'm sorry. Well, I think he's he's. I think he actually came back this week. If I'm not mistaken, midweek, um, but they're still playing Matty Target over there as well. I think is kind of like a one of them can stay back and one of them can attack. They have him in the fantasy team. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I have a Matty Target and he got me 11 points like, and he's 3.8 to own. 3.8. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, he's too expensive for a lot of people. at 3.8. Hard to jump up. But Bertrand. One. Yeah, Bertrand had a terrible game against us. Zaha mm. ripped him to pieces in that in our one 0 win at home to Southampton. Yeah, but he, weirdly, he it's hard to awful. It's hard to judge the people that play Zaha because his level of performance varies so much. Yeah, you, no, you 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 completely yeah completely like Zaha right, on his day can tear up most people. <laughs> it's yeah, often no, hard to tell. Yeah. That's that's fair. He was on it that game, and I don't think he's hit the same level since that game actually, <laughs> um, which is kind of sort of like I mentioned with Blassi being out, which is interesting. So, yeah. hey Dan, uh, sorry that I thoroughly derailed your <laughs> player watch. 
Um, so, oh, no, Monreal's great. I love Nacho. He's probably the second best human being in the world after Mesut Ozil. But, um, yeah, he's great. For didn't impress, I'm having trouble because not that everyone played well. They didn't. It's like no one stood out as they were really, really garbage. Um, none of the defenders played that bad. I've gone over Flamini. He's, his positioning's bad. He can't pass. He's not good. Um, this isn't new. Uh, Ox wasn't great, but I didn't think he was as bad as some people said, and I'm not going to pile on on him. So I guess I'll go with Theo Walcott. Yeah, I'll go with Theo. He hasn't played great the last couple games. Um, uh, I think this might be too easy, but I'm going to at least shift some of the blame onto the fact that he's playing left wing, which, like I said earlier, he's never done in his career. Hmm. Uh, I think the fact that he he really doesn't have much of a left foot, it's worse than worse than I thought. But um. Even if he did get an assist against Sunderland with it, he doesn't have a great left foot. He cuts in all the time. It's kind. Of, it's actually similar to Alexis the way he would do it. Um, a lot of times he would cut in, and everyone kind of figured that out eventually, and that made him easier to defend against. Uh, as well as it's difficult to time your runs when you're on the opposite side of the field, and he's worked so much on doing that from the right. It's new from the left, but overall, out since he scored that god of a goal against uh, against City, he hasn't has not been up to scratch recently. Mm. So, uh, just uh, so you know, uh, soft plug for you here on your Sons of Arshavin show. If you have a conversation about Nacho Monreal, a title of Nacho Average Left Back uh, would be <laughs> much appreciated, even from this Spurs <laughs> fan. <laughs> All right, uh, Jay, who impressed and disappointed in your loss to Manchester City? Oh, I've been deliberating this one. Um, the ones that impressed us. It, it, it's tough because I don't think we played that bad or as badly as we have done recently. I mean, we were, like I mentioned, we were terrible against Villa. And it's hard to pick out anybody um, that was um, <laughs> decent and probably all 11 that were, <laughs> that were poor. Um, against City, it's a little bit different. We had we had a few players which um, showed something in the game. Ledley has won, I think, our bearded genius um, yeah, started the game um, and, and, and played well, I think. He, you know, he... he he looked uh, it looked comfortable in there. I, I just I just wish a midfielder closed down Delph. It's one of my big big problems about the game yesterday. I know Hennessy made a mistake, um, and also Zaha had glimpses in the game. You know, nice wide pitch as uh, as Yetta had has. Um, you, you know, got helped give um, you know give City a, a bit of a torrid time that first twenty minutes, and then uh, and then uh, then they opened the can on us. So. Yeah, I think those two probably just edged it for me. Um, as for um, players that are disappointed, um, there could be a it could be a bit of a list here. Hennessy, obviously, for his second clanger um, in as many games, and I have to say again, he's been great for us prior to those two games. But in the Premier League, you know, you want you can't allow these big mistakes to happen. I mean, we we handed Villa the three points with with his with his uh, howler on Tuesday, and we also. Um, you know, he also gave you know gave City a lead really with that goal when it was at a critical point in the game, which I think you know had a big impact on the rest of the game because if we'd have gone in at half time, you know, perhaps nil nil, it, it might have been a different second half. But you know, these things happen. Um, another couple of players that had poor games: Soiree left back, he didn't have a particularly great game, and some uh, Joel Ward had not, had a horrific game actually. He was pulled from. Uh, all over the place at uh, at right back. I think it was his, his original mistake for the for the fourth goal. I think it was so. 
certainly not uh, a great performance from from the whole team. But you know there was a few positives to take from the game in that you know there's glimpses that we we could be returning to some sort of form. But we really need these players back fully fit. Um, and the only way they're going to get fully fit is by playing these games. So I guess you have to take the rough or the smooth. So, so yeah, there's a few names for you. Great. Thanks uh, for Tottenham. I mentioned him a little bit earlier, but Moussa Dembele has been so good. And his absence uh, was not... Hmm, I earlier said it was very noticeable. But it was more noticeable once he returned. And you saw exactly why things that we were trying weren't working, and then they immediately started clicking again. Uh, he did get the second goal, which put us ahead for the first time in the match, and uh, really kind of led to us sealing that. And he managed to create four chances, which is particularly good for somebody who sets up uh, so deep in the formation so often, as I mentioned earlier. So uh, Musa Dembele in there for me, uh, largely because I don't think Erickson played that well. And it's possible that he ends the week after a meeting with the incredibly named Dubious Goals Committee. Uh, he may come away with zero goals from this match, as it could be an own goal. Uh, well, it could be two own goals, frankly. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, with Erickson and then Kane had a goal and an assist, very good. But uh, you, you, you didn't come to this podcast to hear me say that Harry Kane is good. That is not new news by any stretch. Uh, I know usually when we talk about the opposition... We do a player that impressed from the opposition, but I phrased it intentionally vaguely at the top of this segment because I'm going to mention a player who had an awful day for Sunderland. Jan Kirchhoff makes a move from Bayern, people talking about it, saying he's probably the best defender at the club immediately, um, as nobody really seems to like Wes Brown anymore, or Eunice Kabul, or Sebastian Coates, or John O'Shea. But not only was he the center of the controversial substitution that we spoke about earlier with Sean, but when he comes on, he's the one that deflects the first Erickson goal that ends up going in, also concedes the penalty that Kane scores to make it four. Uh, you just you, you, you have to feel so bad for him, but it's, it's what happened. He was, he was a game changer, which I'm sure was Sam's idea. It just maybe went entirely the way he didn't want. He brought him on at 1-1, ends of the match 4-1, having brought on a defender. That's probably not what he was looking for. But anyway... It's not ideal. Yeah, it's, it's, not, not, ideal. it's not what you want. So, apologies. To be fair, when you say played for Bayern Munich, he made 12 appearances when he was there from 2003 to 2016. Perhaps it would have been more not accurate to say he was but, um, at Bayern Munich. Yeah, he was there. <laughs> he technically he really played, belonged to them. There. He was contracted he was by. That was why um, no, I, saw people, <laughs> I saw people saying like, oh, this is just another example of Premier League money being or getting ridiculous players. A Bayern Munich player went to Sunderland. It's like, guys, this <laughs> kinda, is kind of. This is kinda. not really a Bayern Munich player. Um, <laughs> gotcha. Uh, okay. Well, uh, with that, we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Thanks, guys. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at West Ham Football. As usual, I've got my fingers in lots and lots of pies at the moment. Um, I'm carrying on with the West Ham podcast called More Than Just a Podcast, as in Bobby Moore with two O's. Uh, we are a West Ham podcast that podcast every week on www.morethanjustapodcast.co.uk. Continue to write for clarenthew.info which is a Hammers news site, all the latest Hammers news sites and transfer news when we've got some. 
and also do an opposition piece every week for westhamtillidie.com as well, where I speak to an opposition uh, blogger and, and see what they've got to say as well. So, yeah, it's busy times at the moment, um, even though we're not signing anyone and we're not letting anyone go. Just tell you now, as David Gold said, we're not a selling club. Cheers, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm Dan. You can still catch me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. And I don't really have anything else to plug, so thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. I'm Jay. I'm editor of theeaglesbeak.com, a Palace fan site, which is currently experiencing a few problems, so we're offline for a few days. Hopefully it's back up for next weekend, but um, we'll keep you posted on social media. I also do a lot of work for Palace Fan TV, uh, which is also uh, you can catch them at, at Palace Fan TV on Twitter. And I'm also a football expert on the Back of the Net Football Show, which is a local community show, so you can catch it online or listen if you're local as well to me. Uh, and on Twitter, you can catch them at underscore back of the net underscore i'm mostly on twitter handle at the eagles beak so you can catch me there thanks for listening yeah and i'm your host kevin devries you can find me on twitter at kevroff you can find my writings uh hopefully once the site is restored over at the eaglesbeak.com and also blog.playtaga.com i also appear on the all in sports talk show which is a partially founded by dave hendrick who is a liverpool fan that is often on this very program also host the FPL Roundtable, which you can find on this very audio stream on Thursday mornings. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.